everybody and welcome to another episode of Panels and Bars. It's me, your host, BB Manic, and joined as ever by... Patrick Allen. Cool. And this week, we will be covering The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's sequel to DC's Megaflop. Let's start off with a bit of news. Just announced recently, star of The Suicide Squad, Idris Elba, will be playing Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. We don't know yet whether they're going to be foes that become friends or whether they will start as allies, but he announced it via a tweet and we hope to see a teaser trailer very soon. In hip-hop news, Donda, the eagerly anticipated album from Kanye West, is due to be released this Friday. However, it was also due to be released last Friday and the Friday before that. We will see. One thing that is looking encouraging is that Kanye has been releasing brand new teaser adverts which are available in subway stations in most major cities around the world so tune in this friday and we'll see what happens so patrick good to talk to you again um yeah finally both seen the suicide squad anyone who listens to us regularly would have heard my spoiler free review last week this is going to be full of these spoilers so if you are worried about that if you don't want to have it ruined for you don't watch it you should uh, um, don't listen to this you should definitely watch it um even if you're going to listen to this and you're thinking, nah, I don't really care. Even after everything we spoil, still watch it. You will enjoy it visually, story-wise. There is a ton to get into. It is very fun. It has a great soundtrack, which we're going to get into. Um, but I just want to reiterate, for everyone that hasn't watched it, you're wrong. Go and watch it. It's fantastic. Um, so with all that said, let's kick it off, Patrick. What did you think? It was great. It was really <laughs> good. I've watched it. I've seen it twice. Um, and... Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I honestly, like when Rosie was talking about it and saying that it was like a cinematic masterpiece, I was like, eh, you know, like how good could it be? And the answer is way better than I thought it could be. It's so much better than the Guardians movies, which I love. Mm. Um, I think partly because they've really, you know, obviously the 18 rating really lets him off the leash. Like there's that moment in Guardians One where 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 Peter Serafinovich is all like A holes uh, that I that I just hate because it <laughs> sounds so like false and weird. Yeah. And it's it's and there's none of that. Like they are they you know like being free to just I I I imagine this is how James Gunn sounds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like the, the swearing and the and the random shouting and stuff like I I, I picture that to be more his vibe yeah. and it feels like that it feels like completely let loose from any sort of constraints whatsoever um and yeah like there's so much good stuff in it there is. really there like is. I can't believe it's in any way related to that first suicide squad <laughs> yeah. but see, you know what that's that's one thing I actually really loved about it is that that first suicide squad uh, does have its fans. In fact, they've taken to the web this week and are trying to bomb the review bomb this film because they want an AO cut released of the first one, idiots. <laughs> but, you know, there are those fans. And what's great about this is it is a sequel. It acknowledges the first one happened, their existing relationships. I mean, from the first scene where Harley Quinn gets on the plane and sees Boomerang and they acknowledge each other and they, you know, they have a bit of a little banter you know that the first one happened. However, if you've never seen the first one, you don't have to have watched it. And I think that's a great thing that very few sequels nail. You know, it's either we're completely yeah. rebooting it and the first one never happened, or it's loads of references to the first one that you need to have seen the first one to get. This one sits in this real comfortable place of acknowledging what's come before it, but also being a great, you know, starting point for anyone who's new to the franchise. Yeah, well, I saw somebody online talking about it and they were saying that actually there's lots of movies that like, they were like, you know what really could have done with this treatment is Green Lantern. Like, yeah. because the casting is good and it was so close to being good, but then actually the script was garbage. Yeah. But you really, you could have taken the bits of that movie and made something so much better. Yeah. And yeah, like, like I like there are bits of it, like Joel Kinnaman's flag. I, 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 I really disliked him in the first film. Like I, it, he was really bad. Um, And like, and in this, he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. He really and like, obviously, Margot Robbie's a bit difficult because she did stand out as the only thing that was good in the first one, which is why she's the thing that's persevered from I it. know I'm probably going to get hate mail or something. I've never... I love Margot Robbie. I think she's one of the most talented actresses today. And I think she crushes it every time she does. She's in something. I have never, ever liked the DCEU Harley. I don't like... I don't like her in Suicide Squad. She's my least favorite thing about that, with maybe the exception of Enchantress. I don't like Birds of Prey, and I know everyone thinks it's amazing. I don't like it. I really liked her in this. I believed her motivations. 
I thought she had as much growth as that character can have. I thought the funny stuff was funny. You know, I just found her a bit jarring in the past few instances, and especially Birds of Prey, which I really was one of those people that felt like DC saw Deadpool and said, hey, we have a character that we could do a Deadpool type thing with. <laughs> um, so she never really worked for me, but in this, I really enjoyed it. I think the thing is as well, much like Deadpool, I think she's better with a cast to bounce off and she's yes. better in small doses. Um, and she doesn't dominate this, which is what I like. Yeah, and I th that's what I would say as well. Her not being the central character made her work so much better in this. Yes. And I also liked that they didn't do too much of the old Han and Chewie on the train. Like, it, we all know she's not going to die. No. And it didn't really rely on her being in peril for any kind of tension at any point really yeah. it was like it was it was all like she kind of waltzed through it as a kind of a, there was a really funny bit where 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 somebody mentioned her being alive and flag was all like what harley's alive and i was like of course harley's alive yeah. she's the only she's indestructible person. so <laughs> but yeah like i thought that she was brilliant in this like the scene where she uh where she shot the guy and then was talking to him yeah had so much in it it was like it was really really nuanced and like it was a very short performance that she delivered so much with yeah. like and i thought that that really like and it was very very layered like she was she was she was funny but also then when she was talking about how she felt about her past relationships like it was really genuinely moving yeah. in a kind of way that i just wouldn't expect from from harley do you know what i mean yeah. like it's especially not this movie especially obviously i've read a lot of harley and seen her in other things where she's where she's great but um yeah i really liked her costumes yeah. uh i really i appreciated that they kind of like she wasn't like gratuitously disgustingly sexualized like she was in the first one yeah. but like they made her look really beautiful for well, a i mean sexy i mean there's, like, she literally has a sex scene in this movie but it feels like it was directed by an adult not a man that's like oh let's see harley's boobies shall we you know so like it just worked a lot better. And it feels like it's hers as well. Like, that scene isn't about getting the opportunity to see her have sex. It's about the fact that she had sex in that scene. And yeah. that's like, yeah, like, and there was lots of stuff, like, outside of her that I thought was really, really measured. And, like, like early on, I know that Idris's character was originally supposed to be dead sharp. And but you can then tell they decided, a lot of it, yeah. Yeah, and you can tell because they decided that they wanted to leave Will Smith available to come back or whatever. Yeah. But, like... That bit where he talks to his daughter for the first time is so funny. Like, it's fuck like, you. Like, <laughs> like they're really just like, like it's kind of. I, I feel like you see a lot of like movie relationships where the parent and the child don't get on. Yeah. But but they're never. But they're always like movie style where where the where the parents are like, I'm finding you disappointing, and the kids are like, I wish you weren't even my dad. But that bit where they were just being both being like, fuck you, no, fuck you, no, yeah. fuck you. I was like, I was like. That it felt like visceral and real, and the fact that they cooled down a bit and talked afterwards, yeah. like it really, it delivered. Because this is the thing, I love Will Smith, and one day I think you and I would just have to do a Will Smith special because there is a oh, lot yeah. to unpack with that man. Um, and I think he's incredibly talented and really charismatic. And so when I originally heard he was going to play Deadshot when the original was announced, I was very excited because Deadshot, if anyone you know reads the book, he has so many layers to him, and his daughter is a really interesting part of him. But I just, I really was not a fan of what they did with it. Whereas, oh, he's this good misunderstood guy that kills people. And it's like, no. Yeah. Like a big part of what happens in the books is that he doesn't even know he's got a daughter. And he's been doing this for a long time. And he's kind of just given up on any hope of ever being a good person or having any redeeming qualities. And then he finds out about her. And not only does he find out about her, he has not, he's got responsibility to her, to be a good yeah. person and to be a dad. But he's also now so entrenched in this criminal world and he has existing contracts and obligations to other people. He has to keep killing whilst also trying to be a, a person who is capable of raising her and keeping her from the life he's had. Yeah. And that's a really great way to pay it. But the way Will Smith played it is like, I don't want to be... There was no... There was no gray. It's like he's a good guy and he's been painted bad by Batman and, you know, the Suicide Squad's going to give him a chance to show that. And it's like, it's boring. It's a boring take on it. And as you said, Idris really put life into it and he really added layers to it. And, and yeah, I, was, I, was, I loved it. Yeah, he was fantastic. And Ratcatcher was fun. In fairness... I don't think there's a I, single character I didn't like. Yeah, I don't... I can't think of anybody who did a bad job in any way. Even Do you Milton know what I mean? Like, there's... Yeah, Milton was great. Like the the silly like 
South American, I am the president kind of evil guys. <laughs> they were great. I really loved that scene where Harley was captured, and then the guy who'd been like tasering her brutally, he was like this big guy with a beard, just like whipped out his phone, started sending emojis to somebody. And I was like, it was just like what I would say is that what I really like about it is that it's so economical. Yeah. Like it does so much. Like it's a lot. It's a relatively long film, and it's got a lot of characters. There's a lot of but... characters. There's a lot of. There's like an A, B, and C plot in it. There's an yeah. insane amount of things going on in that film but it works because every single scene is doing three things all of them have got like and there's just little shots like like so number one character my favorite is the shark obviously (laughs) like we we all knew how i felt how i felt about the alligator in in loki but it was like it was a it was a step beyond that that shark is amazing and And, sylvester stallone so you can't really go wrong there can you but it was like the little things, like there were shots, there was a shot where they were driving through the city and he was looking out of the window and he was just looking at people like hugging and being close to each other. And like, it was like three, four seconds of footage. Yeah. But it it layered something onto him and like him wanting to make friends with the fish and stuff. And there's a real undercurrent there to him where he's lonely and he doesn't have anybody who's like him yeah. and nobody says it ever. Nobody says anything about it on screen. Nobody yeah. talks about it. It is told to you entirely through incidental moments where he looks at things and like the amount like he because the thing is that he can talk unlike unlike a lot of animal characters but almost all of his story is told through him doing things yeah and like and it's and i really i thought it was just really impressive like there were were little things like peacemaker could easily have set that bomb up by himself but having him do it with Shark yeah. and be like, oh my God, Peacemaker, like just, just little cute moments. But like you say, they're also character building. And then we talk about economical. There's the scene when he nearly eats Ratcatcher and yeah. uh, then he gets shot. Now they could have just had someone tackle him or, punt or push him. But one thing I realized later on was really clever was you see, obviously that gun is super impressive. When it hits King Shark, it barely leaves a scratch on him. Later on, when he's faced with the army, it's not a surprise because we've seen what he can withstand. So there's little yeah. things like that, which you think are just, you know, inconsequential choices, but they they all add up and they all come back around. Yeah. And that was what was so impressive about it. There's it so much to work with, but Gunn ties everything together really well. He really does. Like I really liked the way that Bloodsport's uh, weapons were all like bits of his costume. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it lent them this kind of, kind of like tactile vibe where like they were things it wasn't just like guns appear out of nowhere like he had them on him and you saw him grabbing them off himself and then like at the end of the movie when he went to grab his guns and they were and they were all missing because he used them all like it made total sense because we'd seen him using them all he'd had to take loads of the bits and put them together to start firing at Starro and and then he'd used them all the other ones that we'd seen and he used all of them throughout the film and then we saw him use all of them in the last action sequence so when he ran out of guns it was like yeah shit that that's sense. bad yeah. like <laughs> yeah and he even pulled out like a sword and a couple of other things during the final fight which we hadn't seen like his his kind of like last ditch weapons that yeah. he only uses when he's in a you know when he's in a spot and and yeah it just it made so much sense i really liked that ratcatcher had that one thing that she used because again like i thought that there would be a moment where she dropped it or couldn't get it or couldn't find it or whatever but there isn't it's just there to give us a kind of a a, a, a anchor point for how her stuff works yeah like um and i thought that that was really like her little montage in the like there was a really strong undercurrent about parents and children yeah. and the relationships they have in fairness that is all James Gunn films. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, but like, yeah, but like the, they had that little moment. She told the story about her dad and it was like delivered as a little flashback. Uh, nobody else really got a flashback. No. Although I guess Polka Dot Man got his, his, his images of his mum, <laughs> which I thought was, which I thought was really funny. Like he was, and I really, what I really appreciated, number one, was that they were all such tier five characters. Yeah. But the peril was so, what it reminded me of really, uh, was Game of Thrones yeah. because like it's very clearly establishes very quickly that any of them except Harley well, could is, die. This is the magic formula that Gunn has has found, and it, you know, it, you know, you, obviously right now you go into a Disney store and there are pajamas and action figures and video games with Star Lord's face on them. He's like Square Enix, one of the most legendary companies in the world, is about to release a game that's got Groot in it. You know, so that's the level they're at now. But when he got got these characters, nobody cared. And if you are a if you are 
a creator that wants to approach these comic book movies, but you want any kind of freedom, I say follow the gun route. Because if you try and take Batman or Spider-Man, you're going to have a table full of executives saying, you can't do that. We, this is, you know, we sell cereal. We sell... So you're going to have someone quality controlling everything you do. But if you're like, hey, can I take these obscure characters from the 70s that no one cares about? They were like, yeah, go do what you want. And so he's just been given carte blanche to do whatever he wants with these characters. And when you're a writer like him, you can find something to work with in every single one of these characters. Yeah, well, and also, like, like I've read a lot of DC comics. A lot, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm only passingly familiar with Polka Dot Man. Yeah. Uh, I'd, never, I've never, I'd never heard of Peacemaker. Who's he? I don't know who's, who's villain or hero so or whatever I'm he is. I'm quite a fan of Peacemaker. And he's been handled a number of different ways. And I have to say, I think this is one of my favorite characterizations of him. Yeah, I'm aware well. that, obviously I'm aware that Bloodsport's a Superman villain because yeah. uh, he's from the he's from the burn run straight after Infinite Crisis. I remember, yeah. I remember his first appearance and stuff. But like, yeah, like I've only seen King Shark a few times. Like they are deep cut characters. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's what you need for the Suicide 100%. Squad because you have to have the genuine and like and you know like it's not like I'm 15 but it was so violent it was insanely violent and, <laughs> that, and I like mean, let let's talk about that opening sequence because that was yep. insane that was yeah, just I, unbelievable I have well, one problem with it I don't know if it's a problem actually it's not even a problem it's a question okay so it obviously it becomes apparent obviously when we see Team B that team a is a distraction yeah my thing is so the distraction comes from the fact that pete davidson's character betrayed the rest of them yeah how did waller know that he'd betrayed the rest of them? well i mean what i kind of thought was i assume there's no real way that he could have communicated with anybody without her being like they must be monitoring all their communications yeah. right my assumption was that he'd was stupid enough that he thought he was secretly communicating with them and that she just worked it into the plan i guess um but then also it's, really... it's also a very loose plan because you're assuming they'll betray him and give yeah. you the distraction but they might just be like okay everyone come to the castle and then we'll kill you in the castle yes and, and anything could happen true. they i mean obviously i know it's, it's, it's fictional so it doesn't matter but anything could happen they could have crossed paths with team b when that happened and then they would have thought they're being amber it, it could have been a whole thing but um, all you have to rely on for that is all that Amanda Waller has to believe there is that those people will ruin everything yeah. by killing people. <laughs> and that's completely believable. Like, yeah. And she's specifically also, she's picked a team there who are fucking useless. Yeah. Like, even Which in is why it's so surprising that Flag is on it. Yeah. Yeah, I did think that was the one thing I thought, like, was... I wasn't sure whether she was sending Flag to die because I don't think she was. No, my assumption was. But also, that as she you say, expected... she has to know that a good eighty percent of that team are going to implode and, yeah. and bring the bring the plan down. So is it that she just thought, okay, well, he's collateral damage, or did she have so much faith in him? She was like, he'll work it out because it seemed when they had the the little B plot where they went to rescue him from the people that hadn't actually captured him, that she was like, oh, Flag's alive. I can use that. Go and get him. But it, did, it seemed like she was yeah. surprised that Flag was alive. Yeah. Although when she when he found him, he the the uh, outside Dave. I can't remember what his character's name was. Um, he was like, he was like, I found Flag. He wasn't like, oh shit, Flag's alive. Yeah. He was like, the thing with the difficulty seemed to have been locating him rather than yeah keeping. So yeah. So I think that I guess that, I guess that, that makes sense because he's the only one that doesn't have a bomb in his head. So yes, yeah, and and I thought that really also like yeah, because he could just run away if yeah. the, when things get bad he can just bail because he's not and he's not like having to follow the mission through. Yeah. Um, I thought that I thought the choice of Captain Boomerang that was really smart yeah. because they brought him back and they established continuity with the first film and it made it feel genuinely like these were going to be the crap team that we followed yeah. this time. And then, yeah, like it's, and even when it I started, say, going I was slightly wrong, gutted because I do like Boomerang. He's one of the few things I like from the first one. <laughs> but even when it started going wrong, I kind of assumed that they were going to get like defeated, and then the other team that we've seen in the trailers were going to be sent in like to rescue them, not that they were going to get absolutely shredded. Like Nathan, <laughs> one by Fillion, one. Nathan Fillion was excellent. <laughs> I really, really. really like it was, it was the the him slapping the people with his detachable arms, and then and then the next shot you saw of him was they were just shooting the arms. He was screaming. It was just like. And what I love about that is it just presents more questions because it's such an 
ineffectual way of doing anything. What was he actually arrested for? How did he end up in yeah, the prison? Like, because he clearly is not that inefficient a fighter or criminal. <laughs> so, no, like, wh- how did he end up there? No, not at all. And like, and yeah, like the weasel as well. Like, I have no idea what the plan was for the weasel. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I really, I liked the way that Savant, uh, like, anchored us in that first scene. I thought that was really, really good. Like, yeah. he was, he was, he was kind of like, I really liked that my assumption was that as he got like more and more overwhelmed by the situation that he was about to do something bad. That's what I thought too. Yeah. I thought he was just going to snap and be like enough and then take everyone out. And then it was no, clearly he has lost it. Yeah. And he just <laughs> ran away. And the, and the, the link from him killing the bird in prison again, back to the bird eating yeah. his corpse. Like, those little things and the title sequence the overall, sequence, the transitions between are oh, so good the leaves that were blowing and formed the words now and oh, yeah well that so was the other thing i wanted to talk about was that actually it doesn't work perfectly but like the certainly the transitions later on with the title with the chapter titles felt very much like the title pages of comic books yes yeah um i assume that's on purpose it kind of doesn't work because it uses them at first to be like three days later three days yeah early, and then they become actual chapters so it's a bit yeah and then they with, be- yeah well and and also they're wildly different lengths, obviously, which, <laughs> yeah. which so, so they wouldn't work as like as individual. But yeah, but it had that feel to it. And I liked that because it broke it up into like, you know, you could have these kind of tonal shifts like you have in a series of comic books yeah. because this issue is is about this and whatever. And like, I really thought that the way that it was structured and paced, like it's, it's what is this, like two hours long or something? And yeah. it did not feel it. No, I, th- I think it felt really brisk. In direct comparison to the first Suicide Squad movie, which feels like it's a hundred years long, <laughs> that you pause it to go for a wee and you're all like, this has got to be nearly over. And it's like a quarter of the way through. And you're yeah. like, how? How is this? How is well, this? What, like... what I love is that it is actually, in many ways, the exact same film. You have yeah. to, for everyone that's never seen it before, Amanda Waller has to walk through the prison and introduce a bunch of people like she does in the first one. Only in the first one, they lazily slap together a montage of trailer footage whilst music plays in the background. In this one, you actually see those characters in situations that really give you a feel for who they are and what's going on in their lives. There's a scene in the first one where the characters bond over having drinks. Comes out of nowhere, doesn't really work. Even though the actors are fantastic, there's nothing that's led you to believe that's something that would actually happen. There's a scene in the second where the actors, where the characters bond over drinks. It works. It's believable. It's a lot of fun to watch. Well, and even down to the little things, like it literally repeats flags. You do this, you die. You do this, you die. Yeah. From the first film, except that this time Harley undercuts it and it's funny. Yeah. And I really, I really love the layering of the jokes there because like her, her giving him silly things that if he does, he'll die was like, was, was, you know, it was, it was fine. But the bit where flags like, like the bit where Flag was all like, you know, those aren't part of it, but that's not an open invitation to cough your mouth covered. Yeah. Was like, was really like, it was really, and I really loved the way, like in this one, Flag felt like a whole person. Yeah. Like in the first one, he was just like shouting exposition, and in this one, he delivered. This is my friend, she'll cut you where you stand. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, like, and he was like nuanced in this one. Like, there were little moments. The bit where he told the rebels that they could, like, when he was all like, you know, if if they if they find out we're there, and she was like, well, I hope they don't. He was all like, yeah, but I mean, you've met us. Like, when they find out we're there, and like, and he was kind of like, I I really bought his turn when he was like, I I'm gonna go to the press. Um, yeah. I, I did not expect Peacemaker to be the plant. I assumed Waller would Great have a plan. Great twist. Um, but I thought it would be, in some ways, he was kind of too obvious because he was, he was like, obvious. And but it was, it, it goes back to what I said before. That just seems like a one-off funny joke. Wallace immediately said, "Each one of you is unique." She then yeah. presents him with a man who is exactly like him, and you think it's a funny joke, but actually, it makes sense. Yeah, you're unique, but she also doesn't trust you to do what needs to be done. She needs someone who's equally as skilled who would do what needs to be done. Yeah, and it just like comes around perfectly. Yeah, and the callback to the t- smaller bullets when they have that yeah. conversation when he first meets, but then that's how he defeats him. In the- like, all that stuff was so neat. Yeah. Um, I really loved, when I watched it again, one thing I noticed was uh, King Shark meets all those fish and then and then the floor breaks and all the fish try and eat him and it's really sad mm. um and there's like and then the building is collapsing and there's a scene where harley starts swimming and, and she's, you can't pro- really see she's trying she's to going. pull them off him but yeah just for a second you can see her at the end she's just trying to pull the fish off him yeah. and it's like it's little moments like that like how upset polka dot man is about milton and stuff um i really really liked that sequence yeah. it was really really funny um 
and like it had a it had a oh no we've accidentally blown up the bombs which made total sense because his powers are like all spray so yeah. he can't direct them like it was just thing after thing after thing even, even the, the the little detail of harley instinctively shouting no when he got the polka dots out yeah it, like because, because she's a person who never really takes these things seriously you can see that evolution where she's trying to she's now she's on board she knows what the mission is so the minute he goes to do it she instantly thinks don't do that and it's just you see that growth and like even you know you, t- you spoke about flag a minute ago one thing i loved about flag was throughout the first one you hear he's this military man yeah and he just kind of like let's go do what Walla told us to do and with this one the two great things were gun combined the fact that he's probably the most human of all of them so he actually does appreciate them as people and then he yeah. combined that with his military um knowledge and in skills to actually be like hey you should be doing this and you should be doing that so when they get in that building jodenheim they all have a plan that that flag has set out using his military skills and yep. so, it, so it highlights what's great about him and it highlights what's great about the team it's not just all hey let's go all punch random generic fighters everyone is in a position that complements their skill set yeah and even little bits like uh like peacemaker sees them going downstairs and he leaves and then just in case you kind of missed that there's that shot of the shark of, of king shark on his own which reinforces that peacemaker isn't where he's supposed to be and like yeah th- like harley's obviously an experienced experience with it with explosives so when they get in they're being given out the bombs and she goes straight in and she rips open plastic explosives because she already knows what she's doing and that's why she's the one who's scared when when the bombs like it's it's all so neatly done and like yeah. and it really like it everything feeds into everything else in a way that's like i did feel what especially watching it the second time that after the jotunheim sequence i was a bit like like that i felt like the star a bit at the end was a little long um and like yeah. and it was like it was kind of thing on top of thing on top of thing i kind of would have appreciated them working starro's into the into the Jotunheim section instead of it being its own yeah. kind of distinct but actually it wasn't that long and it delivered like it delivered character uh, like resolutions for for both Bloodsport and Ratcatcher really neatly uh, we haven't talked about Ratcatcher yeah. but I, I thought I mean, she was I mean you, you, she was fantastic amazing. and you've just pointed out another thing that came perfectly they've got that nice little back and forth I'm gonna get you out of this alive yeah, I'm gonna get you absolutely. out of this alive and it came, it came, came round. It it's came exactly what happens at the end. He, she nearly gets killed off the car. He rescues her. He gets her out of it alive. And then, yeah, when it looks like it's all lost, her rats save it. Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole thing, like it's full of neat foreshadowing that pays off really well. And like, I really, like, I really, the, the moment where his daughter sees him on the TV and she's like, hey, that's my dad is really like, it's short. It's like, it's, it's only a second. It yeah. doesn't need to be any longer. Like, um, I really like, I like that they gave it a moment where, where he was all like, I know Flag was your friend. Um, because like they'd established that and then she hugged him when he came to rescue her and it was like yeah. like Harley's Harley's obviously Harley's got lots of friends and she's like kind of she's now clearly a character who cares about taking care of her of her people. So that's and they've yeah. established that across obviously not so great well across Suicide Squad, but that Birds of Prey very much reinforces that. Like yeah. um and yeah, like she you see like you said, you see the development that she's gone through and, and it was and it was visible and there but it wasn't like they had like a line of dialogue where she was all like i care about my friends now like yeah well i mean that's she she sold that so well because you know i don't think there's any line of dialogue yeah she does say he's my friend but that's actually prompted by him looking at her because she looks so pissed off that he's made that bargain and she sells that just in her face she's like her face is selling saying we can't sell out rick like this and it, it yeah as you say it's a couple of seconds of dialogue it just does so well, yeah much. and i loved as well like the little like so it did have a couple of moments where it did the marvel something looks serious like when javelin died at the start and it looked like she was reaching over to touch his face and then she, she slapped, slapped him, him yeah. and was all like and was all like and was all like where what, what am i supposed to do with <laughs> javelin but then instead of that just being a throwaway joke that javelin became like a part of her character over yeah. the course of the film and like there was a moment where it was rolling down the broken building and she picked it up and there's just this little shot of her face where she's like eh, i got my javelin back. Yeah. like um um, and 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 she and she's yeah and when she when she's when she's like when she's like oh I'm carrying it until God tells me what to do and it's just it's like Jesus and she's like oh him you know <laughs> either way and like and those little kind of those little like the dialogue is really neatly arranged yeah. to deliver in in and, and and again like it feels weird to say this but it was 
it was like what the Marvel films did successfully at first and now are always trying to do. Yeah. But I feel like quite often they come up I mean, short I mean, now. even like, so every action, this is not just comic book related. Every action film has that scene, that crisis where the heroes either know what to do but can't do it or know what to do and won't do it. And we're made to believe they've given up, they've thrown in the towel. So for comic book fans, it's whenever Peter Parker throws his uniform in the tr- in the garbage and is like, I'm going to live a good life. Yeah, or, you know? absolutely. And so th- it's, this has that moment. But for me, it really felt earned when Bloodsport kind of just shrugs his shoulders and is like, oh, we're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to save the bloody world. Yeah, like, we're it, gonna, yeah it just absolutely. worked. It, I, believe that, I believe that this is a man who's just weary and he's tired but he was also probably a really good man at one point. And, you know, because you see that recognition when he and Flag first see each other for the first time. Flag has probably heard that his old comrade has become a criminal and has been arrested and stuff. But Flag probably still sees that in him. And in that moment, yeah. we all do too. We're like, yeah, somewhere deep down, whatever happened between him and Superman, this is a good guy and he's going to do the right thing. And he finally steps up and does that. Mm. And that scene, it, it, it's just believable to me. It works. Yeah, and it delivers, like, the action is excellent like it's so good that's the other thing that that puts it a clear step above guardians and a lot of the other marvel movies is that like the action sequences are laid out so well harley's harley's prison break like i don't know how much of that margot robbie did but props to her and the stunt team really really good and the switches between perspective like when it's above so we can see her stab the guy through the foot and when it's behind the grid like all of it is really there's a really good bit where they're where they're infiltrating the base to rescue flag and uh uh peacemakers up on top of the thing and he's like shooting people in the distance and then the camera pans down and there's those people just on fire and it just (laughs) is just burning yeah and like and it's not like and it's got a really like it's like because it's not like a oh, oh no they're burning people kind of shot it's just so incidental yeah like he, like you see it from peacemaker's perspective and he climbs down he's like there's people on fire <laughs> and it really sells the feeling of the of them of them being people who's like where human life doesn't really oh i mean yeah at, at one point he just stabs this guy in his sleep and he does it. Yeah. The, he does it the same over way. Over and you, over again. Yeah. He does it like how you would just go to the counter and reach for some some cookies. Like he's just nothing to yeah. him. <laughs> and it's and it's got some of those like little moments. The bit where Harley wraps the dress around the guy's hand mm. and then uses the knife to cut him to cut his own throat is so, like it's an excellent piece of action. Yeah. It's like so you know you know what I saw a video the other day actually that pointed out that it it has to be intentional, but it's also very reminiscent of the first shot we see of her in the first movie, because remember she's yeah. in the cell and she's hanging. So it's like, once again, it's that clever tie in. And it's also character work because these skills have come from somewhere and she's now yeah. using them in a practical way. And he's taken, like he's taken again. It feel what really makes it feel like comic book is that he's taken bits, you know, when comic book writers often get saddled with a backstory or a previous series, which isn't good and and you handle it one of two ways like you either just pretend it didn't happen like the punisher being an angel or whatever you throw it away with one line or you take the good bits of it and you make something better from yes. them and that's really what he's doing like he's really taken like harley's like hanging from from ropes and stuff bits of the first film that i wouldn't even have flagged up as oh yeah that was cool we should keep that but he's taken it and evolved it into something that i'm all like that was so cool that was awesome like and that really like that's really what makes it such a good scene because i was talking to somebody about the other day and they were like i haven't seen the first suicide squad movie and i was like don't like just just don't realistically like i wouldn't recommend watching it to anybody but if you have seen it you will be like it's really it it made me feel fonder in retrospect about that film yeah i mean definitely. it's not, not enough not, not enough that i'm gonna go back sit back and watch it again but yeah because no. <laughs> like because this first suicide squad movie is like it's legendarily bad yeah. it is like it is one of the worst films i've ever seen in my entire life purely because like it doesn't feel like a human being arranged it no. um whereas this has got so much humanity and heart and feeling in every bit of it like it's not just king shark the the little rat who who sits on her shoulder and like when she tries to give him the leaf and she's all like oh he, he's found you a pretty leaf that he thinks and, and, and they're just like why would i want a leaf and the thing is that everybody who's got a pet has had that moment yeah where your pet's offered you some shit and you've been like why, why would i want this? that i mean and you know it's everything like even 
the guys who work with Waller, what was great was that in the original, it's like, you know, you don't really even see a lot of them, but you see people no, they, yeah, pressing they're all buttons. And, yeah, and this actually feels like admin and stuff that goes wrong in admin where it's like, how does no one know that he's scared of rats? Oh yeah, we probably should have checked that. You know, just like... Yeah. <laughs> and like, and again, that comes full circle. That moment at the end where it sits on his lap and he tries to stroke it. He looks <laughs> genuinely horrified still, but like, it's him, it's emblematic of him overcoming... The, his his problems yeah. in the same way that he has throughout the film and it's just perfect like it really is like i genuinely so like it's it's not just like i think it's it's by far the best dcu I think movie. So too. I think so um like it's 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 like it's like you know it's like batman 1989 dark knight good yeah. it is really right up i mean obviously it's a very different type of film yeah um but it is also way beyond a lot of the marvel is, movies listen, like one thing, is... one thing i i think that and you've already touched upon this but one thing it does really well that i think very few with these big studio films whether it's marvel fast and furious mission impossible whatever you you mentioned how it makes you look funnily in the first film. Like Flag, like I said, I like that actor a lot. I think Joel Kinnaman's fantastic. I think he was yeah, me too, yeah. a terrible script in the first. I Within the first few scenes of this, I'm like, oh, he's a great character. Why, why, was it, why yeah. am I doing this much? And then I really care for him. And then when Peacemaker stabs him, I was genuinely like, what? No! Like it, I was yeah. I was gutted when that happened. And I kept... Yeah, I was too. It was such an obvious, now Flag's going to pick up that thing and he's just going to win this fight just about. It yeah. was such a standard action beat. And so the moment where it went the other way felt like a knife in the heart. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not like the in, in, interior shot of the knife in the heart. That really upset yeah, me. Yeah, very, um, very Mortal Kombat. Very unnecessary, Mr. Yeah, Gunn. Very unnecessary. I, we get it. He's dead. <laughs> Um, but again, like it's because in so many films, people take stab wounds and then they're yeah. all like, I'm fine. Yeah, you know no, James I mean? Gunn like, really wanted us to be like, he's not going to be in the sequel. He's, he's not he's okay. Not gonna, he's yeah. gone. Yeah. Whereas in comparison, Peacemaker gets shot in the neck. And whilst that looks bad, if you watch carefully, he's not been shot straight through the throat. He's been shot like to the side of the yeah. neck. And assuming it hasn't hit a, vein, hit a vein, it makes total sense that he could survive. I really thought Bloodshot was going to shoot him again. And then I know, because I, yeah. obviously we already know about the TV show, but I assume the TV show, after that, I thought Bloodshot's going to kill him and the TV show would be a prequel that maybe ends with the last scene being the first scene of this. But no, yeah. Peacemaker is an insane man who will live on. Yeah, but that makes, and that makes total sense to me. And I, yeah, like the whole thing, like start to finish, like there's very few bits of it that I didn't think were good. No, Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. like watch it, I watched it back a second time and I was like, it was one of those films where instead of like, I feel like normally when you go for a second watch of a film, especially really close to the first watch, that's the time when you pick up on things that weren't so great yeah. that you didn't spot the first time. But actually it was like, it was, it was one of those movies like, like the first Avengers movie, which when I watched it a second time was full of little details that I hadn't noticed that reinforced the quality of the of the film yeah and like that i really like and it was like you said about it being basically the same film like it's even got a horde of kind of zombie things yeah. at the end <laughs> but they're so much they've got so much more personality because they're but all part also, of that scene. but then also as much as it has that one thing i i think it does really well that i wish more just action films in general would do if you're going to have these characters that are killers that you want us to root for don't shy away from the fact they're killers. Because, you know, as you said, there's the great Harley Quinn scene. Even though everyone is in uniform and camouflage, you see individual faces. You see her snap yep. a man's arm and ram him to death with the door. You know, flag yeah. mows down people. As, you know, the, the, the scene that we laughed at where Bloodsport and Peacemaker are showing off who got the best kills. Not only are those real people... Those are people who actually turns out are allies. They kill a whole bunch yeah. of innocent people, you know, and the well, film doesn't like, shy away from that. And they're not just standing around like NPCs you haven't activated yet. They're like, they're doing stuff. One of them's singing, one of them's doing their washing, one of them's having a bath. Exactly. Like they are living a life Yeah. and they're, and they're humanized. Like I really, the detail where the shark coughs up the finger, it's got a ring on it. Yeah. And again, it's just like these little kind of bits which, like, I don't know what that ring means, but assumedly that would tell her which one of her friends he ate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and those little bits, like, and then she's like, oh, my God, you guys are fucking awful. And Flag's like, 
yeah they're fucking morons <laughs> but we, we we but you know we're on the same side and she's all like yeah we are on the same side and realistically i you know i I'd, I'd do anything to sort to say and like and it really and it doesn't feel like there's so many times in films people team up and they're all like well i wouldn't want to team up with you but i'm going to and your response is like no you wouldn't no, yeah. this is ridiculous but it's totally, I totally bought it. Yeah. And like, I really, just that little bit in that scene where she's all like, why, why is that rat waving at me? And Flash <laughs> just all like, I, I guess he's friendly. And it was just like, just like, it was just like, like, again, like, I think what one thing that James Gunn does really well, and he does it really well in Guardians, he did it really well in this, is that like, his characters feel more human, partly because they share interactions which would not make it into other films. Yeah. Like they have little conversations, little bits of like little bits of dialogue that don't that don't feel like they're doing that much, but actually they're doing so much. Yeah. It reminds me of um in I read a thing about how in when they were filming New Girl, they'd purposefully leave in takes where people fluff their lines because it made them feel like actual people because when you're sitting around with your friends you don't perfectly deliver everything no. that you say yeah. you you sometimes make small mistakes and in fact some of those small mistakes then became running gags that became like integral parts of their characters yeah. and that makes those characters feel like humans and that's something that he really and again it's the economy like he'll he knows where to put a little chat between two people that gives them so much depth like milton like when he was first um driving up to the checkpoint in the first scene where we saw him like he was a bit like he was all like they were like where are you going and he was all like uh and then they, they were like have you got your papers and he was just looking through all these bits of paper and like that wasn't part of their plan i have no real idea of why milton was behaving like that <laughs> in a way that was was almost certainly if that had if they hadn't been there would have gotten killed by those soldiers yeah but it gives me like a grounding and again like he tries to pick up the gun and yeah. then flags like nope yeah. and takes it off him and stuff and like He's he he has barely any lines. Yeah, that guy. but he, every, he tells you everything you need to know. He's a good man at heart, but he's clearly out of his element, and he yeah. should have just stayed in the van. <laughs> he should have stayed in the van. Yeah, and like, and I love that. Like, and then then, then, then like, and yeah, when Bloodsport says that, he's like, didn't he stay in the van? And it's just like, it's just so neatly done. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, even the even the the minutes it cut to eight minutes ago. One thing I love yeah. is that we all know. Anyone who's seen any type of media before, you automatically knew what the end of this eight-minute sequence was going to be. It was going to be Bloodsport meeting Peacemaker. But what works is that you, we, James Gunn knows you know, and the fun is, how was he going to get there? How is he going to get yeah. there? Yeah. I mean, in fairness, I didn't expect that at all. Okay. I was convinced. I was convinced that the person who would save her from Peacemaker would be the shark because she'd had that line earlier on about risking her life for love, yeah. and because they they were friends oh, no, now. I I, and I I didn't think they were going to do the clever callback to the bullet, but I thought it was going to be shoot off between those guys. And King Shark fell out of the building, so he was downstairs yeah. before the. No, rest I, of I thought them, it was going to be so those I, two. Yeah, like... I was worried actually, having seen how quickly James Gunn was killing off important people. I was worried that they were both going to shoot each other in the neck or something. That I, so I knew it was going to yeah. happen. I was just worried it was going to be like, because they're both so good, they take a shot and then boom, they both fall or something like that. Yeah. And like, even the characters, so like, I didn't really think like, I didn't really think the thinker had a lot going on. No. Like, Peter Capaldi's performance was fine, but it wasn't like, it wasn't great. Like, he didn't, he didn't have a lot to do, but he served his purpose in the plot yes. perfectly well. He did his, he did his bit. And like, Whilst again, we're talking about in... performances, Viola Davis, yeah, because like, she's always been amazing, but she had nothing to work with in the first. And she's so good in this. She's insane. She's absolutely insane. What I really love about it is that like Flag and Harley, they're both the same character, but they're delivered in a different way, a way that gives them more depth and nuance and personality. Waller is delivered the same way. She is the same person giving the same performance and just by virtue of the place she's in and the way that other people around her act, she's a hundred times better. Yes, it's elevated like, so much. Yeah, and like, like again, because she's something from the first film that was, it was, that was too good for that shit yeah. film. And actually, and James Gunn's looked at her and gone, you know what, just nothing. You don't need to change anything. Like, yeah. you are already the perfect version of that character all you need is less stupid things to say and better people to stand around and like and yeah and like i loved i loved i i, I assumed that something was going to stop her um killing that killing blood and what, what i love is and, that he plays with the fact that for a minute you're thinking the thing is going to be her conscious and then yeah you realize she she would just kill the whole team she would rather yeah, she kill the will. whole team <laughs> um 
and then like but then what i really loved was that that lady when she got hit with the she got hit with the golf club and she was like unconscious and then they were all standing around they started going back to the mission and one of them was all like oh you hit her and she was all like get on the fucking satellite you dick <laughs> and like and it had like and again like just the delivery of that line it wasn't like those lines in films where people say something rude to somebody it felt really real yeah. like when you like when you pissed off with somebody at work and just want to you know what i mean like <laughs> and i think that actually everybody in the film had like and it had like nice little cameos like yeah. uh, pam clementi was in the club scene dancing because obviously she's a guardians alumni but like calendar man, man being in it for two seconds <laughs> just... like i was genuinely wondering who sean gunn was gonna be in this one yeah and then when i saw him i was all like oh my god like well, you know who else that's is, a right? great uh he's the weasel yeah, right yeah I see. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like I, I already assume that any if they if he needs a CG body double, it's always him, it, isn't yeah. it? Like, um, but yeah, like it's like it was like I, I, I can't really think of anything negative to no. say about it. Listen, if, if you're listening like, to this and you haven't seen it, and even if you've made it this far, I mean, there's probably stuff we haven't spoiled because there is. It's such a dense film. There was so much. It in, really is. Yeah, visually, story wise. Um, I mean, another thing that it does so much better than the first, which you won't be surprised by, is the needle drops. James Gunn knows how to use songs that are not only great, but reflect what's happening in the story. And in a, in a, yeah. in a nice, nuanced way, not in a, oh, Amanda Waller's evil, so we're going to play Sympathy for the Devil. It's a lot yeah. better than that, because he's very good at that. I just, you know, yeah. I just can't say it enough. Go and watch it. It's fantastic. It's not doing well at the moment. As we, as we record this episode, it debuted at number one but has since dropped in the worldwide charts. Um, and I think, so a lot of people, when they when they um, hear about budgets, they don't factor in the uh, marketing costs. And so- yeah, the giant marketing costs. So even when you think a film has broken even, a lot of the time it hasn't. And what really helps a lot of these big budget American films is a China release, which this, due to the levels of violence, is probably not going to get. So if you're no. anywhere in the, rest, in the rest of the world and you're able to watch this, whether you have- HBO Max or whether you're able to go to a theatre and watch it safely, please watch it. It deserves support. You will enjoy it. It's a wonderfully made film and hopefully it will have the Deadpool effect of if it does well, other studios will let creators do this, you know, and they'll learn the right yeah. lessons from it. It is Yeah, like it's it's as good as Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would put it, it, it is as good as the best of the MCU. It's not just the best DCEU movie. It is right up there. It's it's probably one of the best super comic book superhero films I've I'd ever agree. seen. And, and, and DC, if you're listening to this, this path you're going on, whether it's letting people do one-off origin movies of villains or films like this, keep doing it. Keep letting niche creators do weird takes on popular characters or not so popular characters because it's great. It, it's refreshing yeah, it, for fans like us who have been reading these books since we could read. It's refreshing for people who are casual fans and think the genre is stale. More of this. Let's have more of this. This is fantastic. James Gunn, everyone involved in this film should be really proud of themselves. We want more of this. Yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah, like, honestly, 9 out of 10. Like, yeah, it's, it, is, it is right up there. Like, it's not quite like... Goodwill Hunting Dead Poets no. Society, <laughs> but it is insane that I am talking about it, even in the same kind of region as that. Yeah. Like, I, I liked, I liked it as much as I liked like Arrival. Yeah. Or what I like, and and that's a fucking spectacular also, film. Also, you know what I mean? Thing, like, I, I mean, if if they can, if comic book movies take one thing away from this, props to the cinematographer because this film looks yeah. gorgeous. Apart from as as Patrick and I said, the the clever transitions. The way things are framed, the color palette, it remembers it's a comic book movie. It's colorful. It's, there's a scene where Harley is massacring a bunch of people. And to be fair, this I, I want to give props to um, the director of Birds of Prey because a lot of the things yeah. Pat Patrick and I are giving credit to this film for are things that she established in that film that they've carried on. So, you know, props to her and props to the cinematographer of that film. But things like harley going on a massacre and having flowers coming out of her head yeah. and 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 animated birds it it just the film feels alive every uh location they go to is different in terms of palette and mood 
Yeah. Yeah, there's never a moment where you're wondering where they are. There's never an action sequence where you're wondering what's happening. Yeah. There's never, like, you can even keep track of where they are in the big action sequences in comparison to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not quite, well, uh, I watched that command the other day, and there's that sequence in where the camera keeps swinging between him and Mira while they're in Sicily. Yeah. And that is like, it, that, like, I, I didn't think Aquaman was great, but that was like really impressive. Like, but like, it's got, that kind of vibe to it where you see them you see one of them from the other one's vantage point and yeah. it keeps track of where like it really really comes together i think it's easily the best film that we've watched since we've been talking about this yeah. stuff do you know what i mean agreed agreed okay so we're going to stop talking about it because you should stop you should pause this podcast oh, and go and watch it just go and watch it well okay i think what we should do is uh obviously we've ranked it but like what what's your what's your dceu ranking Okay, like, um, DCEU fanboys, you can tweet me if you want. I don't care. I don't like most of the films. So for me, it's going to be this. Um, does Joker fit into the DCEU? Because it's a modern DC film. I don't know. I did, but it's specifically not supposed to be in the same yeah. world, isn't it? Um, like, okay, so I would say this, Shazam. If Joker <laughs> is included, then Joker's the third. And then, honestly, throw the others in whatever order you want, because I don't care. I don't like either of the Wonder Woman films. I'll watch the ultimate edition of Dawn of Justice if I have to. Man of Steel is a bad film. Justice League is a bad yeah. film. Zack Snyder's Justice League is a bad film. So come at me what you want, fanboys. They don't make good films under Zack Snyder's leadership. And I like Zack Snyder. Um, but these, those three, this... Uh, Shazam and Joker are the only films I would comfortably f- recommend to people. Yeah, like I don't, I don't have a problem. Like I've seen Snyder films that I enjoyed. Like if I, if 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 Man of Steel was called Zack Snyder's Mean White Privilege Man, I'd, <laughs> I'd be I'd be fine with it. I'd be all like, yeah, that's that's it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if it was its own thing, I'd be okay with it. It's only because he's taken Superman and ruined him that I'm bothered. Yeah. But yeah, like so, my ranking is this: Birds of Prey because I really like that. Giant Gap. <laughs> Aquaman and Wonder Woman, with Aquaman being a bit better, maybe. Giant Gap. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Joss Whedon's Justice League. Batman versus Superman. And then at the bottom, Man of Steel slash Suicide Squad. They're both so bad. Yeah. I don't See, even know as I was doing my ranking, I had I forgotten about Suicide Squad. And you did remind me, yeah, Birds of Prey. Like I said, it wasn't for me. Um, and I've said it before. I... I can't fault it for everything it did, though. It visually was fantastic. All the act, all the performances were great. I th- I loved Hugh McGregor's choice to go so camp with Black Skull. That was really yeah, interesting. Like, um, yeah, like well, as a side note, like I watched Birds of Prey again the other day after I saw this, and it's better than I remember it being. Like I really like that film. I know a lot of people I do, really... which is why I don't I don't really hammer at it. It just wasn't for me. But I I respect the craftsmanship behind it. I respect the performances. Um, I like. I really like what they did with Harley and that, yeah. and I really, really. I my only gripes about that are like minor uh, comic book people stuff. Like I don't want a version of Cassandra Kane that isn't the one that I know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and and it and it and and the, and little weird. Like, it is insane to me that we've got a a DC world which includes Huntress but not Dick Grayson. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't quite. I can't I quite. Say, I know that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is amazing at everything she does. Um, I really I loved her take on just as just this really weird broken person who just yeah. yeah she was amazing at killing and being this vigilante but doesn't know how to talk to people because she's just spent yeah. her whole life trying to be the ultimate weapon I love that I thought it was a really interesting take I thought she, yeah I thought it was fantastic like I really liked I really enjoyed that like though yeah there's only minor gripes with that like where I would just a bit like and, and almost all of them are rooted deep in me being all like this isn't the thing i wanted from batman comics whereas like you say his yeah whereas i haven't seen shazam or wonder woman 1984 i'm probably gonna give shazam a shot Um, don't don't ever watch 84 um it's bad but yeah no like in terms in general like i and i never thought i'd say this i kind of hope after this they don't immediately reboot the DCEU. Yeah. Like, and, and that is something that I was never thought I'd get to. I really wish that they'd let James Gunn have a crack at maybe Superman or whatever. Like, I'd, I'd give See, him any of them I, now. Whilst I think he would nail it, I think he understands these heroes and these greatest heroes. 
I also think, like I said, I think it does, even if this film, and it's not going to, unfortunately, but even if this film does a billion dollars, if he wanted to do Superman and they gave him Superman, they would still stand over him and make him make decisions based on what yeah, action figures absolutely. are going to sell and what video games are going to sell. And you can't kill Lois. You can't kill Mark Kent. You, you, there's, I want him to have a bunch of, of books to adapt where DC executives and the Warner Brothers executives don't care about the stakes. They don't care about making Happy Meal toys. So if he wants to do yeah. a Lobo film, let him go do Lobo. If he, you know, give him, give him the weird characters that haven't been touched since the 70s that DC's probably in danger of losing the rights to and just go let him tell another weird story because um, I think he'd nail it. I think as amazing as he'd be with a Batman or Superman or whoever, I don't know if anyone is as cool as even as good as the Batman looks, the upcoming Batman. I don't know how much yeah. creative control someone's going to be given. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, no, like I, 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 I mean, I'm definitely way more excited to watch more DC movies going forward 100%. than I was before I watched this. So yeah, like it's it's a success for me in every Agreed. in every conceivable way that it could be. Patrick, yeah. what have you been watching? Uh, so I've watched obviously I, I watched hundreds of films. Me and Beth checked the other day, and in the last like three months since I started my Letterboxd account, she's watched sixty four films with me, and wow. I've watched another like thirty on my own. Nice. So and that's not even including the times that I've watched the same film twice. <laughs> so yeah, like I have I, I've been watching a lot of stuff. We watched, which I wanted to mention, we watched Jumanji two and three or three and four. The the two the new, Jumanji the new, films. New, new Jumanji, yeah. yeah with I guess, yeah, I guess rock. technically they're three and four. Yeah, so the, the third. Yeah, because the Thora would be, yes, would be the second one. Yeah, Jumanji so, yeah. two, wouldn't it? Yeah, like um, with Jack Black and The Rock and 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 Karen Gillan and stuff. Um, I don't really know. Like, so a couple of months ago we watched Jumanji and I enjoyed it. It's a childhood favorite. I can't really obsess. I can't really objectively kind of assess it. It's it, it reminds me of being a kid. Yeah. Although I didn't remember anywhere near as much of it as I thought I would. Uh, and then we were like, oh, there's new Jumanji films where you should watch them. So I was thinking about watching them, and then we never did because we watched mostly adult-focused films, obviously. Uh, but then, after my sister's wedding, we had just the most horrible hangover, and both of us were sat around like, "What? Well, I want to watch something that's like." not really sad yeah like that's not that's not heavy that's not hard and we were like let's give it a go you know what i mean let's just give it a crack and it it was good like it was yeah. it, i mean it's, it's it's you know again like it's not it's not crazy but it was like a it was like a six out of ten you know but yeah. like but the rock is funny i understand more why people like him now i love the rock um, the problem with the rock is he is playing the rock in every single film and anyone but he wasn't. He was he was playing an awkward teenage boy trapped in the body of the I, rock. And I he did guess, a really good job I guess, of it. But if you see any of his early films, Southland Tales, Faster, he has real range. He can do really he can do characters that have been stripped of everything. He can do characters that have yeah. lost their mind. He has range, but he's now become this kind of bankable charisma exuding machine. And so he's not really well, I also... himself. I really love movies where people have to play each other's characters. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy that. I mean, because Jack I think Black it's really is, he's, he can do that with his eyes closed. He's so good at that. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that, like, The Rock does a good job of pretending to be that teenage kid, but he's nowhere near as good as Jack Black is at pretending to be that teenage girl. And on top of that, in the second one, like, uh, uh, The Rock has to do a Danny DeVito impression. Yeah. And, and he's fine. He's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, but then... They swap bodies, and uh, I can't remember what her name is, but the actress who, who then has Danny DeVito's character in just nails the best Danny DeVito impression you've ever seen. And she's like a small East Asian lady oh, like, who has no right. The one yet. She has, and she has no right to be... like She is doing the best Danny DeVito impression <laughs> you've ever seen to the point where like she steals the whole fucking thing. Amazing. It's fantastic. Like, uh, one yeah, thing you actually reminded me of, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I believe it was Unilad or Lad Bible or one of these YouTube channels. Yeah. To promote, I believe, the first film, they had The Rock and Kevin Hart uh, interview each other, but with each other playing. So Kevin Hart was, yeah. was The Rock and The Rock was... Uh, very funny it's very very good. yeah so if you've never seen that i recommend watching that well and yeah and i i really like impressionism like uh uh you know like have you ever seen that clip of of ariana grande doing impressions of other singers yes uh, yeah and she can just Jimmy do Fire. and she can just perfectly do anybody else's voice because yeah. she's so talented um but like i really there's something about watching famous people do other famous people and really yeah. nailing it that i think is kind of really really this is, funny this is very niche and i don't know how many people are going to be able to 
<coughs> associate with this or even enjoy it. But the there is a very good wrestler. Well, he's actually not a good wrestler, but he's a very good personality. A wrestler called Jay Lethal, who is just fantastic at impressions. And he was part of a promotion that was joined by the legendary Ric Flair. And they were all went at the night out and everyone was like, Rick, Jay does the best impression of you. And Jay didn't want to do it. He was really embarrassed. And Rick was like, go ahead, go ahead. Jay Lethal did it. Anyone that knows Ric Flair knows he's he's really... Woo! Yeah, he's got loads of energy. He's got insane catchphrases. He's known for doing elbow drops on his own shoes, his own Gucci loafers. Um, and Jay nailed it. And Rick said, we have to work that into a storyline. It's brilliant. Yeah. And so they did it. And according to Jay, before they went on stage, because a lot of these times... Even though you're like ad-libbing, you at least have a kind of a bare bones structure of where you're going to go. I'll insult yeah. you, you insult me, fine, I'll challenge you and I'll see you at the match tonight. And Rick said, we'll feel it, we'll just go for it. So you can find it online after you've, after you've finished listening to this. Jay Lethal, Ric Flair. Um, it's six minutes of just ad-lib craziness. And anyone who knows Ric Flair knows he's always at 11. So obviously Jay Lethal has to match that. And it's just them shouting. And it's, 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 like, it's like you say... It's just funny on its own, but it, it's there's an added level of the fact that you know it's someone impersonating someone. And it's even better when that person yeah. is actually there. So if, if you're into that type of stuff, watch that clip on YouTube. It's very, Well, very and funny. I hate it when they cheat. We watched the talented Mr. Ripley and there's those bits where he's doing impressions of other people's voices. It's just other it's people's just voices. voices. Yeah. And he's, and he's, and he's, he's lip syncing. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, just like, even if Matt Damon's impression of that guy isn't perfect, get him to practice until he can do that one line in a really convincing way, yeah. but that still sounds like a human doing an impression. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, and, and I think that, yeah, it seems like a fun acting task. And yeah, so I would recommend Jumanji three and four. They were, they were good films. Like, again, like, you know, I'm not, not Silence of the Lambs films, but you know, like, <laughs> like they good, were- Good for an afternoon with the kids. Not as good as the suicide. We did not watch them with the kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we both watched them on our own. Cool. Um, uh, no, I'm, my kids are old. Me and Heath. Me, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Suicide Squad with Heath. I think. Um, uh, you know. I, but yeah, like it is. Like, uh, like not as good as that though. Nothing I've seen recently is as good as the Suicide Squad. Go out and watch it. So, Go and watch it right now. So I recently watched uh, Wrath of Man, which is the new. Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham collaboration, their fourth collaboration, I believe. Um, okay. It's essentially what if Jason Statham was was John Wick? That's what it is. Um, uh. And this might be blasphemy to some people. I have never understood the hype about Guy Ritchie. His best work to no. me is no, just I'm, I'm not, Diet Tarantino. And his worst work mm. is just unbelievably generic and it has no identity to me. Aladdin could have been directed by anyone. Sherlock Holmes could have been directed by anyone the man from uncle isn't a fun film but could have been directed by anyone and i feel the same way about this it's got a really good cast of people you'd know from other films and other tv shows and it's like their sheer charisma that carries the whole thing because the dialogue is bad the dialogue is like <laughs> first year film student bad um and if it wasn't for someone as charismatic as Jason Statham and the fact that a lot of this plays to his his strengths, it's got lots of good action, actually really well directed action. I will give Richie and the cinematographer that. I know where what's happening, where everyone is in relation to everyone. It's it's well shot and well staged, but mm. it, like I said, under lesser actors, this would have been a, a Channel Five TV movie because it's yeah. I think yeah. I think what's really telling about Guy Ritchie is that when you just listen to those films, I didn't even know he directed them, and I've seen a lot of them. Yeah, like. I had no idea that Guy Ritchie directed some of those films because he has no personality no. as a director no, whatsoever. They, they, like... he, they were supposed to be a King Arthur reboot that was supposed to kick off this massive franchise about three years ago and no one saw it, so it never happened. Um, but I remember people being like, oh, wow, Guy Ritchie's style is dripping off of this. And it's like, that's just any... What style? He has no style. And he seems like a, a genuinely nice man. He's obviously hardworking. Disney's got a great, great relationship with him. But when you see this, if I didn't tell you it was Guy Ritchie, you wouldn't know. It could have been directed by anyone. I feel like Guy Ritchie's style is, it's got English people in it. That's, it, <laughs> that's, that's, that's about what I could, what I could say. Um, and that's only the ones I remember. Apparently yeah. he directed Aladdin. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 I wanted to like this. There's a lot of elements. Like I said, lots of great actors. Stay from killing people all the time sounds great to me. Um, but it's no transporter. So I could yeah. not recommend it. Um, cool. Well. Yeah. So everyone. Uh, I guess. 
we'll do some what if next time, right? Yes, we'll probably, we will do. We'll I've, I've seen episode one. If. Patrick's going to watch it sometime in the next yeah, couple of days. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. <laughs> um, and we'll also be starting a new series where Patrick explains things to me and the rest of you noobs that don't know. Um, so yes. tune in for that. Thank you, everyone who's been watching, uh, listening, who's been spreading the news, telling your friends, sharing the links. Um, got a lot of good feedback from the last episode with Rosie. We will try and get her on again at some point. Um, please mm. keep liking, subscribing. You know the deal by now. Give us feedback on whatever platform you're on because that really helps boost us in the algorithm and gets us to people that don't know us. Thank you for listening. Yeah, send, and bars. send it to your friends. Like, send, take the link and then and then text it to just one of your friends who you think would like it most. Yeah, that's obviously. that's like organic engagement is more <laughs> valuable than algorithmic engagement. This is what is I've very heard. True. So, so yeah, no, um, please do that. Even yeah, that's your that's your your mission from us for this week. Just let one friend know about panels and bars. We'd appreciate yeah. it. Um, but do we, it. We will catch you very soon. Thank you for listening to this. As soon as you finish, Thanks. I don't care what time it is in the world. Find a way to watch Suicide Squad legally yeah. so they get the money and uh, go and watch it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey. Uh...